I pray that you had a meaningful Holy Week. It was a good week. Um, I don't normally do this, but I'll just say like last week, just on Sunday morning alone, we had over 2,000 people come to church. That's kind of a lot. And so that was kind of a cool, cool Sunday. Uh, Watertown had 100 at their service. I was really thrilled by that. And so we can see in the numbers that God is stirring the hearts of people. This morning, we're going to kick off a new series. By the way, you guys never clap, do you? You just, you have to be just, okay, now we'll clap. Anyway, for the, all right, now, now that's all right. We're going we're to go on. Um, don't clap now. It won't mean anything anymore. Um, this morning, we're kicking off a new series. Um, it's 19 weeks long, which will take us all the way to uh, Labor Day, basically. It's entitled The Heart of the Matter. It's a series about becoming a wise follower of God. It's broken into three parts. This morning, we're going to begin that first part. And, and this, this first part is on understanding how to move from a vice uh, to our virtue in our lives by the means of grace that God has provided for us. Basically, what we're going to be looking at for, for 10 weeks here in this initial sub-series is what does a transformed life look like that God has made available for us in Jesus Christ? You know, oftentimes we live our life way short of what could be in Jesus. In this series, I, I pray we come to this realization and also have this Holy Spirit conviction that old habits, old vices that once controlled us will no longer control us. Amen? And instead, we'll be controlled by the person of the Holy Spirit living out the virtues that God has for us in our lives. See, Jesus offers us a whole new life, and we need to step into it. That's what this next 10 weeks is going to look like. Then after that, we're going to talk about relationships for a few weeks. And the understanding that we, I hope we get from that sub-series in this uh, The Matter of the Heart series is that we understand how to become intelligent when it comes to emotional quotient. That we know how to relate to other people in a way that is wise and God-honoring and brings glory to Jesus Christ. And then last of all, we're going to look for a few weeks at life approach. How do we live differently? How do we live wisely if we're governed by the Holy Spirit? So all through this series, we're going to get to the heart of the matter. Here's what I want to do right away. I want to challenge you, every single person here. I want to challenge you. This next 19 weeks, it's going to be transformative if you're going to be honest. If you'll be determined in Jesus to experience deep transformation that's available. You ever hear someone say, we need to get to the heart of the matter? That's what we're going to be doing here for the next several weeks. So this is a super brief introduction to the next 19 weeks. Um, I've been really anticipating this series, eagerly anticipating this series. I've never preached on the topics I'm going to be preaching on. Either as Pastor Aaron, he'll be preaching too. It's all new to us, so I'm having this great learning curve as I look at this information. I pray that you'll have that same experience. Then next fall, just so you know what's going on since I'm into talking about what's going on here, next fall, we're going to get to this series entitled The Battle Within. And basically, that's a deep look at Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, and understanding that there's a battle that wages deep within us for the loyalty of our soul. And we need to come out on the right side of that thing. And so we're going to look at that for our fall uh, spiritual emphasis, and we're writing up materials to go along with that right now. And so I'm just excited. I want to give you some background that's going to help us over the next 19 weeks. This is how I want to begin, by just talking about how, in general, do we begin to get on the right trajectory to becoming a wise follower of Jesus Christ. And I have a graph to help in this explanation that's going to show up here. Uh, the vertical line in this graph is, is, is 
entitled God Awareness. And as you go up, it's saying, I'm getting more and more aware of who God is, his sovereignty, his person, his power, and what he wants to do in my life. And then there's a horizontal line called self-awareness. And as you move to the right, that's more positive. That means you're, be, you're getting uh, more understanding of who you are. You're understanding how your past affects how you behave now. You're knowing your desperate need of God because you're not going to have good, healthy self-awareness unless you understand your desperate need of God. And you're going to understand how some things have shaped you in your life and why you react certain ways you do and all that. And that, that's, that's good. That's the part of self-awareness. And that's usually the part that the, the ones without Christ really kind of major on. Self-awareness for us as followers of Christ entails much more. It, it, we have to enter into understanding how God has gifted us that he's given us time, treasures, and talents to be used for his glory. And as we step into those things and begin to embrace them, we will live our lives entirely differently. Now, eventually, if we, when we get into the right quadrant, we're going to be moving into what could be called uh, wisdom. I've divided this into four quadrants for you, and, and this doesn't mean this is right, but it's pretty good. I got this actually from another pastor as we were talking over lunch, and I wrote it down real quick. Anyway, so... He, he was actually sharing some of this. We just, I just made it look really good by having Virginia do this for me. Okay, so we could look at people and divide them into four quadrants. If you have a real high God awareness going in your life, but you have no self-awareness, um, in fact, if you don't see how I fit into the picture at all uh, in God's scheme of things, in fact, sometimes you don't even understand that you're part of his redemption story, part of his redemptive plan, you can easily slip into fatalism. Fatalism, it says this, God's going to do what God's going to do. Woe is me. It's kind of the Eeyore kind of mentality. Woe is to me. Um, do you watch Winnie the Pooh? I don't know if Eeyore mattered to you. Anyway, some of you should know that. You have little kids. Um, it's that everything's bad. I'm worthless. Sometimes this is called worm theology. I'm just a worthless worm, and God's this magnificent, beautiful creature. And, and it's, it sounds great in a comparative manner, but the outcome can be really bad. The outcome is fatalism. Well, God's going to do what God's going to do, and I can't affect any of that, so I might as well just do what I want to do. It doesn't matter anyway. You see what I'm saying? That's fatalism. That's where a lot of people go. Uh, and, and maybe it's well-intentioned, you know, in the raising up of, of the sovereignty of God, but it can have this fatalism side effect if you move to the lower left quadrant, um, most people, I think, fall into this category of uh, nihilism, okay? And, and basically, that is no awareness of who God is and no self-awareness whatsoever. That's most people, isn't it? And that, that's a bad place to be at. Life in this quadrant has no real meaning. So I work. And I, I live for the weekend to recreate, and then I get done recreating, then I go back to work, and then I work to recreate, and I live for this vacation, I live for buying this house, I live for giving this beautiful wife, for whatever. Uh, have you ever noticed that people that really want a beautiful spouse aren't so beautiful themselves? Anyway, that went over better first hour. Anyway, life is like meaningless, 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 meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I just do it. I don't know why I'm doing it. That's where most of our culture falls. Amen. Now you go to the bottom right-hand quadrant. This is kind of where I think a lot of new people are gravitating towards. This is where I have a sense of my own self-awareness, but it's not affected at all by, 
a God understanding. It's my, I see this all the time going on. People say, I have this need, I have this want, you know, uh, especially wanting things for free, you know, kind of thing. I deserve it. It's a lot of meism going on. This creates this narcissism, and we see a lot of entitlement thinking happening right now in our culture. Do you agree with that? I deserve this. Really? Why? Well, because I'm great. I've been told my whole life I'm great. I actually am great. And so there's all this kind of like me, 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 um, and, 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 and there's a lot of self-awareness kind of going on, but there's no God-awareness. And that creates a very selfish culture who lives for the moment, and it's all about them. And then you get to the upper right-hand quadrant, and that's where we're going to dwell with this series. And this is where we have this good God awareness going on, and I understand the person of God. I understand the power of God. I understand the sovereignty of God. I'm in love with God. Uh, you know, I give him quick credit for things going on in my life. I cry out to him quickly when I need to. And, and, and then there's the self-awareness thing going on. I begin to see that I have a, a piece of the puzzle. Uh, you know, I play a piece of the puzzle in God's redemptive plan that he's working in my life, that he's giving me gifts and talents. He's giving me opportunities in, in, in unique situations to live for him. And I'm growing the self awareness that I'm part of what God is about. And you have, and usually the why that's squiggly like that is it, during this kind of growth, is, there's oftentimes uh, a year or months or two years or three, whatever, of really saying, oh God, I know who you are. God, I love you. I, follow, I love you more and more and more and more, right? And then all of a sudden you kind of go, oh, now he's working self-awareness in me. So I begin to realize, oh, okay, God, you called me to serve. You called me to do this kind of thing. I can be a better loving husband or a better loving wife. You know, you want to work on me and you want me to pour out the graces you've given me to others. And there's this, this self-awareness thing and you kind of go step up like that. That's wisdom. That's what we want to talk about for the next few weeks. Actually, 19. Okay, so now you kind of know where we're going with this pictorially. So now we want to get to the message of the morning. All right, and basically this is an introduction to what's going to transpire for the next nine weeks after this. I want to begin with a question. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Or do you want to be sick? How many of you want to be sick? No one raised their hands. Friday night, I felt a tickle in my throat. You guys know what that feels like, right? I said, oh, no. Doggone cold coming again. And it's now blossoming. Yay, right? Who wants a cold? Anybody want a cold in here? I'm mad. I was mad. Vicky old touched Last night, I'm a crabby old man. I'm mad about the cold. Tired of having these things. Do you want to be well? Jesus had this interaction with an invalid. And he asked him this very question. Listen to this exchange that took place. Um, it's found in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called uh, Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five uh, covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Does that seem like an obvious question? Does it seem a little bit insensitive? This person's disabled. He's an invalid. He's a paralytic. Do you want to get well? It seems like 
a little bit of a wild out question. But here's the thing. I think a lot of us become defined by our brokenness, by our dysfunction, by our disabilities, by our shortcomings, by our sinfulness. And to leave that known existence and step into wellness in God is scary because over here it's undefined and uncharted territory. And we don't know what that's going to mean for our lives. We know, even though we're dysfunctional over here, we know what's going on. We have a sense of control, although we have no control. We think we do. And to step over here and be well means I'm going to trust God to do a new thing in my life, and he may bring into my life entirely new things, entirely new challenges, entirely new definition. And that, my friends, is oftentimes a very, very scary step especially on the spiritual side of life. You ever hear someone say, that's the way he or she has always been? I've heard some people tell me that. Well, some people have told me that as a pastor, especially when I'm new to a church and I'm talking about something that's going on and someone maybe had a little bit of a dysfunctional response to a situation or an interaction that wasn't quite right and someone will, thinking that they're helping the situation, say, well, you know, that's the way they've always been. And you know what I say back to that when I first got here and when I first got to New Hope? And that's always been wrong, hasn't it? Get really quiet, just like it is right now. Why do we excuse illness? Why do we say it's okay to not be well? Why would we say it's okay for an angry response? Well, they're just always angry. Really? And that's okay? Or they're always going to say something cynical, or they're always going to be negative. Really? Is that okay? Well, that's just the way they are, and that's always wrong. Amen? Is this getting on your toes a little bit? I want us to be really transparent as we go through this and honest with ourselves. This man was one of hundreds, by the way, that laid around this pool, waiting for what they believed was a moment when an angel would stir the water, and the first one in the pool got healed. Problem was, he couldn't move. So he laid it 38 years watching the water stir and watching other people go. Can you imagine what that would be like? I'm thinking, why are you laying by the pool at all? You can't get in there. It's got to be a frustrating experience. It's got to be an experience of hopelessness and desperation. And that defined his existence. It's sad. And by the way, this is the state of many people, spiritually speaking. So his was a life of begging, of despair and hopelessness. And on top of all that, he would have been blamed for his illness, by the way. Because in that culture, they thought if you're ill, it's because you sinned. And so he's laying there, hopeless about a situation, understanding that everyone thinks he deserves to be on that mat, living a life of utter despair and hopelessness. The paralytic was less than he could be and was defined then by his disease. And then Jesus says, do you want to be well? <laughs> Does the blind want to see? Does someone with, say, arthritis want to be free of pain? Does the one who has cancer want to be healed? I think so, right? It seems obvious, but that's not always the case. Some of the background information I'm getting for this series is coming from a, a guy named Steve Deneff. Some of you know who Steve Deneff was. He spoke here a couple years ago in our Remnant series. 
He's authored the book Fault Lines and Soul Shift, and he has great material. He's a great thinker. And I, I love one of the stories he shared. It was about a, 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 a deaf woman who had a deaf son, and they discovered that the son deafness could be corrected by surgery. And so they went to the mom and said, we would like to give your son the surgery, and then he'll be able to hear. And she refused it. And she said, deafness is not a disease. In fact, I view it as a blessing because it, it blocks out all the noise and distraction of a culture that's so busy, you know, doing the wrong kinds of things. And so she refused the surgery for her son, and this kind of made news. It's not an obvious question, is it well with your soul, or do you want to get well? It's not an obvious question. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's easier just to remain defined by your disease, your brokenness, your shortcomings. To get well, the paralytic would have to experience a new life with new challenges. He would have to move from the known life of begging to figuring out how to make a livelihood. He would not be able to beg anymore. Um, He had to figure out how... You know, to interact differently and form new friends and all that changes a real deterrent sometimes to getting well. Now, get this perspective. When Jesus asked the paralytic, the invalid, do you want to get well? That was on Sabbath. Sabbath was a special day for uh, the Jew in that time period. It was a day when they remember the great leader Moses, the giving of the law to the nation of Israel, and the command then to rest and celebrate a God who was so uh, good to them and, you know, had divinely interacted in their, their history numerous times. And so Sabbath was a special day uh, of remembering and celebrating God. On top of that, this was a festival day, which meant they were remembering a special event that God had done in the history of Israel of divine intervention. And basically on this day of Sabbath and festival, the people were saying, it is well with my soul. God, you're a good God, and we love you, and you've done all these things for us. It's on this day that Jesus looks at this guy on the mat and says, do you want to get well? Listen to this point. Jesus chose a Sabbath on which a festival fell, a day that was an opportunity to say it is well with my soul, to enter into a situation that was not well. In this situation, he asked the question, do you want to get well? The man never really answered the question, by the way. He gave the victim answer, I can't get there first. Uh, I'm not able to. Everybody beats me when the water uh, stirs. And the question that Jesus was really asking on that day to the man is this, and this is our big thought for this morning, do you want to be whole, is what he was really asking. That's the real question that he asked of the paralytic. And the definition of well here, if you go back to the original Greek and look at it in the context of this uh, scripture, means to be whole or complete. So Jesus was basically saying to the invalid, do you want to be complete? Body, soul, and spirit. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? He used the wrong word if it was just a word for healing. In the original Greek, he didn't even ask, do you want to be healed? That, that's, a, that's an entirely different Greek word. He used the Greek word that means, do you want to be whole in your soul, basically? Do you want to be okay? Are you content with just getting over this disease? Or do you want more in your life? That's basically what Christ was asking him. I'm sure that befuddled the guy a little bit because he was laying on a mat thinking, I just want to be healed. You ask me if I want to be whole. I just want to walk. 
Maybe that's why he, he, he was puzzled about how to answer Christ back. Getting well, as defined by Jesus here, I think is getting ready to move on from a current situation of being less than you could be and stepping into what God has for your life. I've seen this happen frequently in my own life, whether it be physical, spiritually, or emotionally. How about you? You have those moments? Recently, when I had this surgery uh, on my neck, and they said the next day, do you want to go home? Do you want to leave the hospital? That's a stupid question. Of course I do. Who wants to be at a hospital? All they do is poke you and take blood and wake you up. Were you sleeping? Uh-uh, I was just sitting here resting with my eyes closed. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, you can't recover in a hospital. I, yeah, I want to go home. I want to be whole. I want to get well. I want to move on with my life. I don't want to stay in this bed. I don't want to remain sick. Amen? This just speaks to me of illness and bad things. Get me out of here. I don't want to be there. That's what Jesus was asking of that paralytic. Are you tired of being there? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to move on with your life? Do you want to step into what God asks for your life? Or do you want to just be healed? Here's the holy conflict I want to bring us to this morning. We come to Jesus and get saved. Amen, right? That's a good thing. What a good thing. Amen. Praise God for that. But then we wake up saved the next day and the old habits and the old instincts are still there and they're still dominating our lives. That is not good. And I don't think such a one is faking their faith or, or not stepping into God's, you know, provision. But, but there's, there's, this, there's this, this old pattern of life that's so familiar and so easy to fall into. It just like sucks us into its darkness. And we have to get honest. I challenge you. You have to get honest. Are you tired of being like that? Are you tired of letting an old vice or habit control you? Because you gotta, you just get tired. You just got to say, I'm tired of this, and I want to step into God's provision for my life. It's uncharted territory. It's undefined. It's scary. It, it, you don't know what's going to happen there. But step into it. Because there you find life, and life to the full. But there's lots of familiarity. You know what happens a lot of times with us preachers? We just want to be genuine with all of you and relate to you so bad that we up here up here telling you about our frailties and our faults and you're all going amen the preacher's just like me you know and we're having all this relatability and that sort of thing going on of all our shortcomings and i'm definitely not into faking i think authenticity is a high value in my life but you know what unintentionally happens you think well he's as bad as me and vice versa whatever then you don't step into the provision then of getting well that's an unintentional result of genuineness and authenticity. We're so busy relating that we're not stepping into the provision that God has made for us. Jesus came into this kind of situation and asked this man, you want to be well? So I'm going to ask you that same question today because this is what this whole series is about. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be whole? This is a question of the heart. It's about being wise where you're way beyond just being saved. You're on a journey of becoming, in thought, word, and deed, a disciple of Jesus where you're looking just like Jesus. And you know what? You have to lay down your defenses, guys. 
You have to quit defending. You have to quit hiding. And you have to say, enough is enough is enough. I'm just going to move on, God. I'm going to face this directly, and I'm going to declare I want to get well. No longer will I make a treaty and coexist with vices like pride or lust or greed or envy. I'm not going to do that. There's only so much sacred space in my life. You have to say these things. And these things aren't going to occupy that sacred space. What's going to occupy the sacred space in my life is things like purity and humility and generosity and kindness. This journey that I'm asking you to take with me is not for the faint-hearted. It's not going to be a prayer quick fix thing. You have got to get into this thing and get down and after it. You have to have a cooperative attitude with the work of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes God's going to do this in the midst of very stressful, trying, uncontrolled situations. Think about the paralytic for a minute with me. I've got my little blankie here. This is my mat. Oh, I love this blankie. Um, I think Lisa Nancy actually made it for me. It's my favorite thing. Is it bad to have a blankie? No, it's not. I have a Viking one at home, but I don't want to alienate everybody and bring that one. So, just imagine, this is my mat. All right? I'm like the paralytic. I'm laying down on this thing. I don't have the use of my legs or arms. I'm just laying here, and, you know, it's not that comfortable. I should have brought some cushions. But, so you lay in here, right? And Jesus says, do you want to be whole? Could you imagine what the answer would be like if I looked at him and said, I like the mat. This is my territory. I like this little piece of earth. I have a good view. I have a good livelihood here of begging. Um, I'm fine. Life is good. I don't want to get well. Would that have made it a little different story? I'm going to say something here that maybe is hard. That's a lot of us when it comes to our spiritual nature. God works on us and says, I want to do some things in your life, and you're saying, no, I'll pass, I'm good. But you're not good. You're broken. You have a besetting sin that's conquering you. You have a vice that dominates you. You're not good. No, this is good. I don't need anything, God. You have to want to be well. You have to want to get off the mat. And I love this imagery. Jesus looks at him, says, get up and walk and carry your mat. Get out of here. So you no longer are going to be dominated by that mat. You're not going to be restricted by that mat. That thing isn't going to define your life anymore. Pick it up. You're in charge of it. Pick it up. So he picks up his mat and walks. Can you imagine the inexpressible joy he must have had? The, the wonderment of that moment, what that must have felt like. 38 years he's been on that mat. Now where is it? It's under his arm. He's over the mat. Amen? Praise God. And God wants you and I to pick up our mat, to go after that thing that has been our besetting sin, go after that thing that has troubled our faith, Go after the area that you never quite seem to get after. And he's saying, pick it up in the name of Jesus and enter into uncharted territory and be well. This is what we're going to look at for a few weeks because you may be under, wondering, how do I actually do that? Let, let me see. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I'm devoting 
this series to those of us who admit, I've been sick long enough. It's time, it's time. I want to be well. I want to be whole. So how do we do that? Let me explain that real quickly in this. We'll bring this service to an end. This is what we're going to look at for the next eight weeks. How do we move from a diseased, inept, anemic spiritual life and step into the life that Christ offers us? And so what we're going to do for several weeks is look at vices and virtues and the means of grace of moving from a vice to a virtue. I have a picture here that kind of shows that what we're going to do. Um, at any rate, so you, you go from a vice to a virtue, okay? You seeing that? And oftentimes, we don't know how to get there, and God has given us means of grace to get from one to the other, and it's not what you think frequently. That's where this is a little bit uh, more difficult than you, than you know, and we're going to spend several weeks going through these one by one. When I put this together and asked Virginia to, to picture it up for me like this, I kept thinking of that old Garmin, uh, Simon and Garfunkel song, <laughs> Bridge Over Troubled Water. You guys know that song? Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. You know what? Um, it's a weird song. I don't really know what that means. But they took that song from an old gospel song. And the main refrain in the old gospel song was this, I'll be your bridge over deep water if you trust in my name. And they took that and said, like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. I think they lost something in the translation there, amen? But the old gospel song, I, I looked at it and I said, that's, that's a good thought. Jesus provides a bridge for us. And oftentimes in our lives, we have troubles and challenges. And, you know, we've got this current going below us, this troubled water thing. And we know we can't cross that thing. We don't know how to get across that thing. And these things have troubled us even after our salvation. And God says, I have a bridge, a means of grace for you to move from that thing dominating your life to a virtue dominating your life. And so Jesus is going to take you from your troubled state. And you may be stuck in a bad habit, uh, fearful, full of anxiety. We live in a culture that's dominated by anxiety. There could be an anger issue in your life, a lust issue in your life. And, and the Lord is saying, I'm going to move you from there to this place of purity, of peace, right? Of gentleness, if you'll just take my means of grace. Are you ready to be whole? That's my question. Because we're going to talk on how to do this for several weeks. The reason I'm talking about the message today is you've got to want to get off your mat. You've got to want to be whole. If you don't want to be whole, none of this is going to work anyway. So this week I want you to just be challenged by that question. Do I want to be whole? Do I want to be whole? And next week we'll begin to say this is how then you become whole. Amen? So I'm going to end with that this morning. Um, and I'm going to close with a word of prayer, but I want, before I do that, I wanted to say to all you who are college students that we're so glad you've been with us for the last few months. And I know some of you are going home for the summer. Some of you are graduating and going on with careers elsewhere, which don't tell me, it just breaks my heart when I hear that. I'm happy for you. Um, but wherever you go, if you're a college student, go as a sent one. 